da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Hold on your buddies, ma'am fam. It's time to talk Child's Play here on the Mad About Movies podcast. And joining me, Kent, tonight is my co-host and buddy, Richard. Hey, man. Hi. Hey, how are you, buddy? I, you know, I've not full red hair, but I have red hairish tendencies. Yeah. I like to think of myself as your kind of personal Chucky. Yeah. (laughs) In more ways than one. Um, The uh, thing about this movie is, is that oddly, Richard Barton... Big Chucky fan. Random yeah. random fact about Richard, if you're just now listening to us, or if you're listening for the 500th time, mm-hmm. um, you would be shocked to learn Richard, of all people, mm-hmm. as, a, as a child's play fan. And I'm fascinated to learn about this tonight, and to talk about this reboot, uh, remake, whatever you want to call it, because um, there's multiple, multiple Ch- Chucky properties out there right now. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, uh, multiple versions of this trying to get made at the same time. Um, there's some technicalities with the rights and things that we're going to talk about. So, you know, it's going to be a good show when we talk technicalities of rights and things. You know, I mean, that's nothing more exciting than that's, audio of yeah, people talking about want. movie rights, and it's good. Mm-hmm. It's just exciting. It's entertainment, really. It's, it's, Give it's entertaining. people what they want, man. <laughs> well, uh, so a, jo- a guest is going to join us from our VIP club, um, who's definitely going to add to the conversation because Brian is not here tonight and uh, we'll be returning of course to his regular scheduled programming next week. I want to shout out to the VIPs first off tonight and today and wherever you're joining us and thank you VIPs for, for uh, your support over at madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Those people, you know, we get questions on how can we support the show? Do you guys take donations? Do you sell merch? Well, the best way to support us is join our little VIP club it, it, it helps us and it helps you. You get extra episodes every week, multiple episodes every week. Um, fun little contests we do amongst the, the Man Fam, little prizes, gifts, giveaways that we do. And it ensures that our show uh, keeps going and stays on the air. So that's that's good for everybody. And so if you want more for that, uh, just head on over to madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. And it's about a dollar a week. Well, it's actually exactly a dollar a week to uh, to join that and to make that a part of your life every single day. It's, it's benefited me, and I'm excited to, uh, to do that. And um, our most recent episode was Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. We've been doing a Harry Potter retrospective series. I'm watching the movies for the first time. So this is my first initial impressions. We actually watched Goblet of Fire, and then about an hour after I watched it for the first time, got on to record the episode. So it was fresh, fresh takes. Olive was excited. Yeah, she was, she was actually really pissed, and so that's why she's chiming in. She's like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Voldemort. Voldemort. Yeah, so. she's a big. Well, she, you know, she's a big uh, uh, Newt fan, so she doesn't like when we. Newt's he's good with the animals. Yeah. yeah, he's good with the animals. So exactly. I'll be quiet. Moving on. Yes. Yes. on. Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. Before we talk child's play, Richard, there's a few things that I want to talk about and discuss on the show. Um, first, I wanted to ask you if you have anything breaking late breaking that we need to we need to throw in here that, that we can't can't uh can't get off the air without talking about i mean we could do Kawhi leonard to the lakers talk for the next i know hour if you happen. want but no i'm good I've got that's where most of my um my 
text feeds are, are, you know, a lot of Kawhi Leonard, a lot of Jimmy Butler talk, a lot of that stuff. So I'll, I'll save all that for my text feeds. And then on yeah. here we can talk. We can talk about, you know, the catering at um, Comic-Con coming up, you know, things like that. Oh, is that, what's more exciting than talking about movie rights and catering in the same mm-hmm. episode? Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about here uh, for movie news, rumors, rumblings is um, – is a reboot, remake, reimagining of something that uh, I'm not sure should should happen at this point because um, this show hasn't been around that long. I mean, five, six years, something like that. But um, we've already talked about this reboot on the show. Believe it or not, uh, it's already getting rebooted again. <laughs> and uh, it's actually amazing. So... Richard, just thoughts on the Chappie guy taking over RoboCop, just yeah. off the top. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> RoboChop. RoboChop, um, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, you know, the thing about Ro- RoboCop that everyone who reinterprets it seems to forget is that it's a kind of a satirical piece of work. It's not a full-out comedy, but it is a satirical piece of action filmmaking. What makes it good and what makes it interesting is not that it's like cool, which it is for you know the eighties and early nineties, but it, it's smart, it's smarter than it should be, and uh, it's it's a clever uh, reflection of our society. As Dallas residents, uh, there's a lot of RoboCop things filmed here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, uh, so we like it here. But it's the, what makes it great is that it's a pretty smart look at a lot of different socio socioeconomic trends as well as futurism and things like that. Uh, what everyone seems to to lose, and, and granted, I have not seen uh, the, this new interpretation yet. I, I probably won't for a couple years, obviously. But judging by his past work, uh, he's not someone that really understands the nuance of uh, of satire, <laughs> unless unless he's ten levels ahead of me by putting Dyer Antwood word in uh in the film. So so maybe he's working on a level I can't quite comprehend. But I feel like he's going to try to make it gritty and cool. And violent and all the things that, yes, RoboCop is, but kind of leaving out what I think makes RoboCop interesting vis-a-vis other properties of its era is that it's smart. What, do you, what about you? Was the original RoboCop set in Johannesburg? I don't, I don't remember if it was. Uh, it should be. This one yeah. will be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, cool. I'm a, I, actually, I actually, you know, was a big Blomkamp, like – yeah, like I was, he teased all, us. Like, like District Nine, I was like, "Look out, here it comes," you know. And mm-hmm. then Elysium, I was like, "Here it comes." And then it, yeah, I was so. And I was like, Elysium. "Oh." After that, uh, and Elysium was was fine, I guess, but it yeah. was not District Nine. And then, you know, Third Strike with Chappie, and there's no really no coming coming back from that. Actually, <laughs> that was three strikes just by itself. <laughs> it was yeah. it was one. He threw a you know he got a nice hit with District Nine, and then maybe like a bunt. Um, with with Elysium, and then he he struck out and urinated on himself with Chappie and, <laughs> and left the stadium in shame. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, man, it's disappointing because I love RoboCop, the original. Something about it. Maybe it's the ninety, the you know the late eighties, early nineties action movies that I'm a sucker for. The you know the Terminator, the you know the Rambo's. This uh, I just there's something about them that I I love. Um, maybe that energy is just impossible to recapture in 2000 and 
20 or 21, whenever this is going to come out. Um, there's been some speculation on his side, and he, he uh, let it be known on, on Twitter that uh, the they're going to be using the original suit or what looks like the original suit for RoboCop. Um, so that should, I guess, keep the fans at ease for the time being. But um, I, I guess the point of this is more about what, you know, when is too soon to reboot something? Um, you know, say... I don't know what's getting rebooted this year. You know, say you know, Pet Cemetery just came out. If in twenty twenty one there were, there was another Pet Cemetery, would you be a little bit weirded out if they rebooted it that fast? You know, yeah, right. Even though it was moderate, like that RoboCop was moderately successful. I mean, it wasn't a disaster. I don't think uh, the last the last version, but um, with uh, Keaton and Samuel, wasn't Samuel in that? Maybe I don't know flashbacks <laughs> but um yeah when is when is too soon to to reboot something you know is there even with something yeah. as harmless as robocop that you know no one's really that passionate about i don't think hopefully but <laughs> yeah but when is it when when should they give it enough at least enough time to let it clear from our subconscious so in, in, in a vacuum and i i don't know the specifics of this property uh, in a vacuum, I would say 10 years yeah. for you, you know, 20 years for something successful, 10 years for something mediocre. Say, okay, that didn't work, but we have a good idea on it. It's been 10 years. However, there is the variable always of like losing the rights to it. You know, I've we seen with Spider-Man, like Sony rushed out those, uh, Andrew, uh, what's his name? Uh, social network guy and Emma Stone. <laughs> He's Andrew so forgettable. Garfield. Yeah. Garfield. Uh, Andrew Garfield movies because if they didn't they would lose Spider-Man back over to Marvel and things like that we've talked about it a million times on the show so there sometimes are things where they reboot for those reasons uh, just to like keep to reset the clock I don't know what this is with RoboCop I don't know what studio owns it etc etc so but yeah I would say in a vacuum I think 10 years for something that was not as successful and then if you're remaking a classic at least 25 20-25 years I think is fair like if they made you know, some things just don't need updating, obviously, but I understand it's also like, you know, a capitalist business <laughs> with shareholders and stuff. And so they want to like, if they can find easy money, they're going to go find it. So I get that. But like, yeah, if they made it, if they remade Home Alone now, uh, we'd be mad. But, you know, it has been 30 years. So right. what do you do there? You know, uh, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, you're right, and Home Alone will be rebooted because Disney owns it now. So uh, just wait for that. But uh, but yeah, no, man, I think RoboCop would make a really interesting uh, television series if done right. You know, if maybe you know, who I think would do really cool with RoboCop, Christopher Nolan. Yeah, that could be cool. Somebody like that. So somebody who serious. can take yeah. somebody can put it in the real world, and yeah. people can take it serious. You know, mm-hmm. like. Because I think like the the whole AI police force thing is super interesting, especially in these times. I mean, imagine the satire in these times that you could do. Uh, you know, Blomkamp already tried to go there with Chappie in, in a sense, but um, with the right filmmaker, I think the 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 subject matter could be like you could do a really cool, gritty, rated R, dark RoboCop that's like you had a really strong actor in the role. And you know what's also interesting about the original one is his family life and mm-hmm. becoming a robot and becoming unrecognizable and all these things and dealing with that on top of the, you know, the, uh, should robots be in the police force, uh, 
thing. Um, so yeah, I think with the right filmmaker, this could be a, this could be a really really exciting thing. But I definitely don't think Neil Blomkamp is the right person. Um, it's well documented that they took Alien away from him in favor of Alien Covenant. So <laughs> that tells you kind of where that was going, um, yeah. or that they would rather have done that than what he was, what his vision for Alien was. Um, you know, I'm willing to give this guy a shot, but I don't know if taking a, a, a franchise that I have some, you know, past, I guess, attachment to is, is the best method. I'd like to see him do something original, maybe a Netflix series, maybe do District 9 Cinematic Universe. I don't know, you know, but um, I don't think this is it. And I think it's too soon. Is 2014 was the last RoboCop, I think? Yeah, so, five years ago. so it'll be six, seven years by the time this comes out. I guess, I guess that's okay. It just seems like it was yesterday since we've yeah. been. It feels like we've been only doing the show for two weeks. But uh, <laughs> speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Speaking of reboots, there's one more I want to run by you before we talk another reboot in Child's Play. Uh, this one has been making headlines on Twitter. I'm not sure if this was an official announcement. Uh, or not, or when this even started, but there's this Little Mermaid live-action movie happening at some point, and um, do you do you remember an official announcement of this, or hey, this yeah, is happening, I, other than yeah, like... I knew... I feel like we did it like three years ago when they had Chloe Moretz attached to it. Remember that? And we yeah, talked about that. Yeah, then they announced when they brought on... Um, Lynn Manuel Miranda to do the he did the song a song or two in Moana. Um, there mm-hmm. was a lot of talk about how that was kind of a test for. Apparently, he's doing all the music or a, a larger chunk of the music for Little Mermaid. So I okay. remember hearing about it in that context, but I, I didn't hear you know like a filmmaker attached yet or anything like that. I assumed since it was underwater, it would be uh, James Cameron, but who knows? Yeah, is the uh, is James Wan available off Aquaman? We've yeah. seen what he can do with <laughs> yeah, he's a big water guy. Don't would not surprise me if he directs this this uh, Little Mermaid solely for that reason. We really needed a guy who knew how to direct underwater. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just like, wait like that. That they guys have gotten hired for crazier reasons than I filmed a movie in complete underwater or you know CG underwater before, and I know the process. I mean that'd be worth something, I think, to Disney. But I don't know. I don't know, James yeah. Cameron. <laughs> James Cameron knows knows a thing or two about uh, <laughs> yeah. submarines and submersibles and yep and success. Um, who's your who's your I guess dream for Ariel? Uh, I've seen some stuff around like Zendaya would be really cool. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, you know, you want to go someone younger. So I, there's a lot. You know, I'd be fine with an unknown, uh, but you want to go someone that's probably between 16 and 21, you know, somewhere in there. Miley. In that range. Yeah, Miley, Miley would be great. Singing-wise on those songs, you and I are big Miley fans. I just think she's too old now. Yeah. You, know, you want to play to a younger... So everyone we would like, you know, you think like Emma Stone or something, she's too old. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, someone in that world would be... Emma's doing fine, Cruella DeVille. Think, she can't do it. Yeah, I. but I do think that... Uh, I do think, you know, it's one of those things that an unknown is fine. I don't think you have to get a, I don't think you have to Emma Watson it up. You know, I don't, you can, you can su- surround them with the supporting cast. Obviously we'll get to that in a second, but you've also, there's been some other people announced as well with, um, 
Jake, uh, Jacob Tremblay and Aquafina are joining that cast, as well as uh, most McCarthy for alleged, allegedly as Ursula. So uh, there's there's you can kind of sit around with names. I don't think it necessarily has to be a, a big big star, but if they found the right person, sure. Yeah, man, Ursula is maybe my favorite villain in a Disney movie. Yeah, same. Um, she's, so good. she's so iconic, so scary. Um, and Melissa McCarthy, in my opinion, is neither iconic nor scary. So, <laughs> she's um, a good I mean, dramatic actress. She's, she's she a great. Cool. She's a fine actress. Um, yeah. But uh, it's just, it seemed like an obvious choice, in my opinion, uh, for that. Uh, but I mean, that's what I guess we're gonna get. You know. Yeah, but sometimes the obvious choice is right. It's fine. Know. You know. Yeah. Um, so it's certainly would rather her do this than. The, yeah, the spinoff Bridesmaids movie that yeah. where she's the fart character, you know, in a movie for whatever. So, by the way, nominated for an Oscar for that. I'm just going to keep reminding everyone. Yeah, I know. Academy Award nominee. I don't even know which end that came out of. Actual line. <laughs> um, the, you know, it's, she's going to prove me wrong. I think it, it all depends on the director. You know, like you said, the music, the execution, the actors. Um, apparently, yeah, Jacob Tremblay is supposed to be Flounder and Aquafina is going to be the, the, uh, seagull. So, um, definitely different choices there, but how are they going to do Jacob Tremblay? Is he going to be the voice of the fish? Is it going to be like a mocap fish situation? I'm very interested to see how they try to pull this one off. Mm -hmm. You know, the, because the animation you could talk to a crab and do the whole, you know, seagull thing, and it's not that weird. Um, there, <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know. There might be some things, even Disney, when they try to adapt to live action, is going to be like, well, this just doesn't work, you know, in live action. Which they might find out. I'm sure they've probably done a lot of research uh, on the fact or, you know, character design and things like that. But uh, that's what I'm most worried about with Lion King, um, to be honest, is we haven't seen any trailers of any kind of emotion interaction with the animals any kind of you know actual scenes or anything it's all just footage of the the lions and like a vo of james earl jones and a, a song you know like i I'm, I'm more worried about capturing the emotion that animation can capture than i am about will this look good will this make money all that uh, because uh you know to, to touch on reboots uh, you know, we're talking about with RoboCop and we're talking about with Child's Play, and this will be kind of the main point of tonight's episode, is the only time, in my opinion, you should remake a movie is for two reasons. One, when you can build on the original, which means, you know, established canon, you know, introducing new characters, say, if they were to, you know, like they tried to do with Men in Black International. Right, failed with it, but had the right mindset of building on the past, springboarding into the future with an established thing. Okay, you know, I understand that. You know, I can defend that. Um, I can't defend also when you're trying to remake or improve upon something that's already perfect. That's to me when you don't remake a movie, when it can't be improved upon in the first place. And, you know, that three, four Disney movies when you, when it goes from Aladdin, you know, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid and Lion King, it's about as untouchable as it gets for, for four. So, you know, it's just, for me, it's hard to get behind them other than just to say, I understand this from a business perspective, you know, 
And uh, I don't know if audiences are dying for for any of these. Will they go see them? Yes. Um, yeah. But that's kind until, of until one of these. It's purely really business flops. at this point. Yeah. They're not. They're not like. They I mean, should just name Bob Iger as the director of these. Like, should be director of Bob Iger. Exactly. I mean, they're they're not kidding anybody when they're like, yeah. "We're just this is our property and it makes money and we're going to do it." Um, you know, like I we had talked about before on on the show when we talked about originally about the acquisition from you know of Fox by Disney. Of, I don't see why Disney doesn't have an incubator system for young filmmakers, and they invest twenty million a year and make ten independent films. And that are like Disney indie. That that's the imprint or whatever, you know. And who knows? One of those could win Best Picture. And then how great does that look? That they're making these great original films on top of making a billion dollars on The Lion King, making a three billion on Marvel, you know. Um, and also, if you're not inventing new properties, it's all right. great for the next fifteen years. But then, what do you do? You know, because then you don't have anything to remake. Quite. I say, in 20 years. man, if I was them. I would, would go one to one ratio. I would think. I would too. I would. I would get you know, lined up. I'd be like, give me all these kids coming out of USC. You know, all these Sundance yeah. filmmakers, and I want to sign each of them up for a one picture deal for five million dollars each. You know, and see what they got. And I guarantee you, one of those will become something big. Something will be a franchise. You know, just it's like if they're playing a numbers game of of. Um, trying to find the next Indiana Jones, you know, or trying to find the next right. uh, animated, you know, Lion King or whatever. Those are all original ideas. <laughs> you know, those some guy somewhere thought of that, you know, those aren't reboots. Those aren't remakes. Um, those are original ideas. And so I think that's where their future is. So all that being said, eventually Disney's going to run out of movies to remake and <laughs> they're going to have to, you know, do you, oh. do you remake, uh, like Aladdin again, you know, because it's like this, the last live action one didn't work. Do you do like a live action animated hybrid version now with Robin Williams past takes, you know, like you've, you've, you've only got one chance at this. Um, so now like, I bet they're looking at the clocks, like we can stretch these uh, remakes out to 2025 and then we're going to have to start doing some work guys. You know, <laughs> it's pretty funny, but uh, yeah, it's like, you know. uh, maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just, it's it's, it's almost a pay by numbers hog, like situation yeah. for them totally. at this point. It's just like, all right, uh, let's dust off the old uh, Little Mermaid and uh, see who we can get. Is well, McCarthy available? Seems okay, great. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's a bit predictable, but hey, it's uh, they're this is a business. Okay, we are going to welcome in our guest and relive one of Richard's favorite movies in Child's Play. Speaking of reliving your favorite movies, CNN is doing something really cool this summer. Yeah, that's right, CNN. This Sunday, their new CNN original series, The Movies, premieres. What does CNN have to do with the movies, you ask? I say, who cares? It's just cool that they're doing it. Every week, this show will focus on a specific decade of film, starting at the dawn of the U.S. cinema, going all the way through the present day. So this week, they're starting with the 80s. So yeah, Breakfast Club, Back to the Future, and hell yeah, The Terminator. I'll be back. They're all in there this Sunday night, starting at 9 Eastern. 
And what's cool is that every week after that, for the next five weeks, the show produced by Tom Hanks. Have you heard of him, Kent? American Treasure Gary, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Gary Goatsman, in association with HBO, will focus on a different decade and go inside some of your favorite movies featuring interviews ranging from Steven Spielberg all the way to Rob Zombie. Yeah, hopefully right. they cover Dragula by Rob Zombie. Uh, hopefully the his brother from Power Man 5000 is in it as well. I think he is. There's only one Good. way to find out, and that's by watching... <laughs> This Sunday right. night, starting at 9, the CNN original series, The Movies, right uh, on CNN. And it's right up your alley at Mad About Movies. So uh, check it out, man fam. The Movies, Sunday night, CNN. All right. We are back on the uh, main part of our episode tonight with our review of Child's Play. And to uh, join us in our review tonight is friend of the show, uh, VIP Nick. Hey, Nick, what's up? Hey guys, what's going on? Happy to be here. Man, it's good to have you. It's, uh, it's going to be fun talking Child's Play because um, I don't have much of a background on it. Richard definitely has a background on it. And uh, we need to go a little background from you and kind of your sensibilities uh, since you're new yeah. to the show. So we're going to throw you through the ringer here with two mm -hmm. quick questions. First of those is uh, thoughts. Um, you got a 10 seconds on the clock if you want to give any thoughts on <laughs> Now You See Me because now that's that's our... One promise to everyone that comes on the show. Uh, now you see me. I would never have bought the movie if not for you guys sending oh, it to no. me for free. Okay, there you go. <laughs> a, signed, oh, you have a, gosh. Signed, a rare signed version. <laughs> exactly. Their collector's item. Dude, exactly. you scared me for a second. <laughs> you <laughs> said you bought the movie for a second. It's whew, Man, no, almost I almost had to hang up on you. Just kidding. <laughs> um, and uh, last question is, what's your favorite movie like if you're on a desert island and you had some for some reason had Netflix on that island with Wi-Fi and for some reason that that Netflix service only supplied one movie because all the rights went out. What, you know, I, I don't know why I said that instead of just we saying get again. bring this it on tape. Pretty large, um, pretty big yeah. setup for this. <laughs> you get what I'm um, saying. Yeah, no, I, 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 I get you. Uh, it's probably an odd choice with being on a desert island, but uh, my favorite movie, and it's a movie Castaway. that anytime it's, yeah, Castaway, no, I cast my I can watch it anytime it's on is Jaws. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, not, so it, that's not that weird. I mean, unless you just got well, you bit know, by I a just, shark as you're getting on the island. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, being surrounded by water might not be great, but you know, it's, like I said, if it's on, I can watch it at any point when it's on. So. You're like, you, you're nursing your leg that's just been freshly bitten by a shark it's like i should have shouldn't have brought this jaws blu-ray <laughs> exactly or throw the blu-ray to the shark brought close encounters. <laughs> exactly oh. all right well it's good to have you nick and um we're going to start off the episode by giving a little background on child's play and what our thoughts are on the franchise as a whole richard i remember this from a long time ago i think when we talked to evil dead and some of the other horror movies we've done is you said Child's Play is oddly like one of your favorite franchises yeah. in horror because it's yeah that's odd to me because it seems the most unbelievable. Yeah, it's uh, ridiculous and, and silly and all this. Yeah, it was uh, as a kid. I liked the across the street neighbor that was a couple years older than me, and we would go to Blockbuster together. Remember that the Corey days? Oh yeah, and uh, and yeah, so we'd go there and he liked it and got me on it, and so it's just like fond nostalgia for me. I've seen them all. All the way through Bride of Chucky, uh, dozens of times, and I think my mom would let us rent it because I think she didn't know what it was. It was just Child's Play, so I think she assumed it was a kids' movie. 
Um, and so get the approval there. And, oh, look at that um, cute doll on the cover. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that spot on impression of my mom. She was a Southern belle. <laughs> sure no, <listen> but <laughs> yeah, um, Chucky got her. Uh, no, oh, but the cool. um, the uh, the that was a it just a the nineties to me was like watching child's play and be terrified of it. But then kind of immediately they're so ridiculous that they become pretty funny immediately. And I love them. And I was excited. This was the one I was like, yes, yes, they're rebooting this. I was, I would see this, uh, if we didn't do the podcast, which is Kent knows is saying is about the highest praise that I could give a movie. Definitely. <laughs> it is. Uh, Nick, what's your, uh, what's your impressions or background on child's play? Why'd you decide for this one to be the, the episode you wanted to, to review with us kind of along the same lines what richard was saying i i'm a i'm a huge horror movie fan um and growing up child's play was definitely a series that same same deal i was kind of afraid of but also somewhat uh interested in seeing a bunch of times even though it just completely freaked me out um i, I vividly i remember vividly having dreams when i was younger of like Chucky coming down the staircase of my house to get me. And what was weird, because my house doesn't have stairs uh, or an upstairs. Um, but I like I really like the first one. The second one, I really enjoy the third one. You know, it's iffy. But when they brought back with Bride of Chucky, I thought it was a really fun uh, change of kind of pace for the series. They had a lot more slapstick to it. And Seed of Chucky, I, I don't care for. but um. I'm curious, Richard, you said you hadn't seen the, have you seen the new ones, the two new ones that they've done, the Curse and Cult? Uh, yeah, but not as many. They're not as canon okay. for me, but I've okay. seen them. Yeah, I have All seen right. them. Uh, so, I've seen them probably, I think I've seen Cult twice and Curse once, I think. Yeah. Okay. That, that's about how I am, too. I've, I've seen yeah. Curse a lot more than I have Cult. I think I've watched Cult probably just the one time when it, when it first came on Netflix. Um, but I thought they really kind of brought the series back to what I liked about it, which was yeah, kind same. of the, the, the darker, scary tone. And, and actually I feel like cult just goes complete bonkers by the end of it. But, um, but no, I like, I like child's play. So kind of same deal. I was excited to see what they were going to do with this new one. So when I had the option of picking a movie, I was like, that'd be a fun one to do. I, same deal. I was going to see it regardless. So. Yeah. There's certainly a lot of nostalgia attached with this one. The thing about this is, is it is it pulls on nostalgia, but it has to bring something new to the table. And this one certainly tries to take its liberties with the source material. And I was wondering y'all's thoughts about that. Um, my background on Child's Play <laughs> is not much background. Um, you know, I enjoyed this one. I think I saw it in the 90s. Same kind of thing as you. Richard probably at a friend's house. Older brother had it, rented it or something. We saw it oh. one night. Um you know, for me as a kid, it was, I don't it was as about as, I don't know, because I wasn't scared by it. So it was like as, as hardcore a movie as you could watch on the horror side without it scaring a kid, you know, because <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any kid that went home and like threw away their toys after seeing this movie. I think it's just kind of a fun, funny thing. It's like that's something no kid ever thinks this would happen. Um, and I certainly didn't. I, I I found this to be fun, whereas Scream like terrified me. You know, <laughs> like babysitter gets stalked, that whole thing. You know, that's way more realistic than than a demon gets inside a kid's 
baby doll that gets struck by lightning. And like, there's so much that in this movie, Yeah, but you know, this new one certainly, like I said, takes its liberties, but I got to admit, I kind of like the (laughs) serial killer soul gets in Chucky's body and that's why he's deranged. I like that a lot more than, Oh, this is just a glitchy Alexa. You know? Yeah, but in 2019, I think that's oh, sure. interesting. But I think as a horror, like... Yeah. Oh, it, I mean, yeah. like, I'll let, you know, uh, when he's just going off on what's-her-name in the first <laughs> one, and, like, it, with a knife, you know, and he's calling her all those names and stuff, it's like, wow, mm. this got pretty dark pretty fast, you know? <laughs> I don't think this one ever crossed into that really I, just like he's murdering somebody and I, it's you know I, I definitely feel like this new one goes some dark places um oh certainly does but, but, and, and i the present i feel like yeah exactly um it definitely i feel like goes to some dark places just like the first one but it they twist it in a different way to that um might sound weird you almost feel kind of sympathetic or he chucky almost feels sympathetic um, yeah. At least to me, he did. I mean, there was definitely a yeah. couple moments in the movie where I kind of sat back and thought, you know, I kind of get <laughs> what's going on here, almost like a Frankenstein type uh, character, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, but it definitely, I felt like got dark. Not, not like you said, not as dark as as a serial killer screaming profanities at Andy's mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I love, I love just how kind of messed up the first one is. You know, it's campy, but it's also like this is a murder inside of of a, of a, uh, this is a, a serial killer inside of a doll. Like what would that actually be like? So there's kind of that dark element to it too. This one is more of a commentary, more of a black mirror kind of thing. Um, you know, if you're going to reboot this, I do think this is a smart way to do it with the smart home thing. Um, disgruntled employee. I don't know. I, I mean, I, did you guys see that coming at the beginning? No, I mean, I was totally kind of all the twist work fine on me. I, you know, when the, with the rebooting of this stuff, with I'm not precious about child's play canon. So, like, no. you know, as long as it's logical within whatever contingent, you know, circumstances you have within the movie, I, I thought it worked fine for me. I was like, the minute I saw, I was like, oh yeah, that's not how it is, but that's smart. I like that. That's cool. I kind of went with it. Yeah, uh, but the disgruntled boy part, yeah, I was fine with it. Yeah, same here. I, I was go go ahead. I was just going to say when it started out at like Foxconn, essentially, <laughs> which ends up happening. I mean, I thought just to, to, to play on the canon of the original that the guy was going to jump off Foxconn and his soul was going to go into the body of the thing. It wasn't going to be like what ends up happening is he turns off all the restraint system in the AI and then kills himself. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah. So when he turns off the thing in the air, I was like, "Oh man, I thought I thought this was going to be like a satire on the Foxconn suicides that have been happening." <laughs> and he just kills himself. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. they ended up doing that. So uh, that was just my first thought when that when I saw that factory and that doll. I was like, "Oh, this guy's going to commit suicide, and then that's how the soul is going to get into the doll." And it's kind of like that, but kind of not really. So um, maybe that was the original I, thought. They're like, "That's too dark. Yeah. You can't." <laughs> yeah, but uh, that was <laughs> a little satire. Dark. Um, I, I, I was fine with it, with the way they did it, just cause, um, I don't know if you guys have heard, read any of the information on how this remake kind of came to be. It, um, 
it's the first one that hasn't had no involvement by the original creator of the child's play movies. Um, the MGM, I guess they own the rights to the first film. Uh, Don Mancini. Or yeah. His name is. Yeah. Yeah. An Don icon Mancini. in my eyes. Yeah, okay, exactly. So let's use his name. That's dude. right. Mr. Mancini. Put some respect on his yeah. name. We're being respectful, <laughs> right? Um, but I guess with Don Mancini, he owns the rights to the series, but MGM owned the rights to the first one. And so they kind of went, not behind his back, but just kind of said, we're going to remake it, whether you like it or not, you can be involved or you can't, be, or you don't have to be. And he had nothing to do with it. So I think it was kind of smart plot wise to do. I mean, this movie, other than the fact that characters had the same names and Chucky looked kind of like the original doll. I, I like that they went a complete opposite direction on, on the plot. I like that it was a remake to me. It was a remake done right. It wasn't, you know, following in the footsteps of the original completely like i like that they made choices that were different where you know yeah it would have been fun you know to have the same kind of idea that oh it's a serial killer inside the doll but i like that they went nope let's go a completely different route because don mancini is going to he's continuing his series so to have two similar plotted movie series or whatnot going at the same time i think would have confused people you know normal moviegoers so I like that they did something wholly different, kind of. Yeah. Um, what did we think about Chucky himself? Oh, I thought the design was kind of weird. Uh, I would have preferred to keep the original design. Why do you think that was? Is that something with the intellectual property? Uh, um, they had to no. change the design or they just felt like updating it a little bit? It was a little less sinister than the original or creepy. Than yeah. The original. I, I wouldn't think it had anything to do with the intellectual property because like I, I, like I said, I think they MGM owned the rights to anything within that first movie. So like they couldn't do Tiffany from bride of Chucky. Um, so I, I, they had, they could have done the look, but I just think it goes along with the idea of we're doing a remake, our own kind of story. Let's make him look uh, a little different. I thought he, the first, I remember the first image that came out for him um, uh, like a few months ago, I didn't like it. And I don't know if that was just because I was so used to uh, the way Chucky's looked over the past 25 years. Um, but once I got into the theater, uh, maybe about 15 minutes in, I, I was fine with it. It didn't bother me. Yeah, that's, that's how I the exact felt. same thing. Yeah, it, I didn't it, like the promotional it, stuff. It threw me off at first, like in the movie. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, that looks weird. But like, I, I forgot about it, you know, until I started comparing it in my mind to the old Chucky. But uh, yeah, that was a definitely a difference I noticed. Um, and I feel like, oh, I just want to say, and I feel like Mark Hamill's performance also went a long way into selling me into how Chucky looked in the new one, um, because I just felt like his performance was so good and, and all sweet at some points that it just kind of, I don't know, just fit that specific Chucky. Now, I don't think I could see the way he performed it coming out of uh, Chucky from the original. I don't know. I just felt like it fit it really well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Richard, any thoughts on that? Mark Hamill, when he brought us uh, to this? No, I I love him as a voice actor. He's one of my favorites. So, uh, so I, I really worked for me in terms of. I think he does me like vocal menace better than anybody. Yeah, I thought there was going to be more um, creepy laugh than there was. Yeah. Well, then only just, got, he only has the Joker. Left I was just right going to say, then I think you'd, you'd have too many comparisons to the Joker. That was my one thought going in was I was curious to see if we would uh, hear the Joker at all. And I, I felt like he did a pretty good job of creating uh, a different kind of vocal performance than I'm used to with him. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I thought that was a smart choice. Um, I remember that came out like two months ago that he recorded all the lines for this and, uh, mm-hmm. and everything. Um, which, which I think was the smartest thing they could have done because yeah. people were really against this movie. I honestly, I was against it purely just because I, I, I just didn't think it needed to be done. But when they announced he was the voice for Chucky, it, it instantly skyrocketed. I, I, I really wanted to see mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> you know, they did so make I think a, that was smart. It's it's so weird that people could be upset that this movie would be rebooted, considering there have been, <laughs> I don't know, 10, you know, passable sequels, if that, mm-hmm. you know? Well, um, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I was, like, upset they were going to do it. It was more along the lines of I, I didn't, I had read enough about how Don Mancini was kind of just told we're doing it, whether you like it or not. And I didn't, I, I was more upset for that reason, because I really like the newest Chucky movies that he's done, uh, curse and cult. And mm-hmm. I just wanted instead, right, instead of the money you're going to do with the remake, toss that money to him for once and let him make a new full blown, like theatrical continuation of his series. So it was, it was more because of that than just, Oh, you don't remake it, you know? Yeah. Um, so he's doing his own series on, is it sci-fi or something or uh there's some TV I, show of Ch- called think, Chucky I think isn't it Yeah I think I think it's going to be on sci-fi Um so yeah and the original voice actor for Chucky is going to be um with that so that's supposed to be like the real quote unquote child's play franchise and this is a reboot of the original movie mm-hmm. which I think they can make a sequel to Oh yeah. Um, and I'm sure they probably will, uh, you know, try to get that ready for next Halloween, something like that. Yeah. But, it did uh, pretty well. Yeah, yeah. It made 14, 15 million, something like that. And it was directly against toy story four. And you wouldn't think that'd be competition, but you know, I certainly had friends that chose one or the other, uh, it's up you know, 23 domestically now. I don't know if it'll even have a worldwide release, but it'll sell easily to a streaming platform and it costs nothing. So Yeah. Yeah, you'll you'll get more. Yeah, yeah. I liked the um, the bit at the beginning about teaching the AI. You know, where <laughs> he's like st- stabbing vegetables and like he's learning <laughs> how to stab. You know, like those types of little things are funny to me. Well, um, it was for it was for Tupac, though. <laughs> this is this is a movie that you got to cross the line between horror and camp. And I felt like they really nailed it with this reboot on making it fun, but also kind of scary. And because I mean, the present thing we mentioned earlier, that uh, went on for like way too long. And it's something you know, to a certain extent it had nothing to do with Chucky. So I was like, just get back to Chucky at, at, at a point, but it was such a weird gag and I'm surprised it even got like in the movie as 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 far as you know. And they have the whole dinner scene, and they bring the the <laughs> present on, and they're putting it on the. T- you know, it's like it felt almost out of like a Ben Stiller movie or something. You know, like a really weird like meet the parents kind of type situation with the severed head and a present. <laughs> on a t- you know, it's kind of a you know. I just didn't picture that kind of gag or or anything in this movie. Not to say it wasn't funny, but uh, mm-hmm. I pictured this to be just, I, I don't know, I, doll I just, murdering people, majority yeah. of, you know, and it was more of just a horror comedy with Tucky in, involved. Uh, it it seemed, 
Yeah, the movie seemed a lot to me like a, it had a lot of homages to like 80s just crazy slasher films. And I feel like mm-hmm. the, the the present, you know, quote unquote, would be kind of it, it would definitely be something you would have seen in like one of those really cheesy 80s slasher films like, you know, Happy Birthday to Me or, you know, one of those just really terrible, you know, 80s slashers. And I saw a lot of like kind of, you know. Oh, like I said, homages to those types of movies within this, and I, I felt that was one of them. Oh yeah, I loved that. I loved the the uh, tribute to Texas Chainsaw in this, <laughs> and I and I loved that. And I loved actually, it was funny because that scene opens and they're watching a movie. I was like, oh, I bet they're going to be watching Killer Clowns from Outer Space because that's like <laughs> the movie that you'd be watching if they make remaking this movie, right? Yeah, and. It wasn't. It was Texas Chainsaw. I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. And then they cut to the kid's room, and he has a poster of Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I'm not kidding you. In <laughs> this movie, right. I was like, okay, that's kind of cliche, but kind of nailed it at the same time, you know? Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, and it wasn't even supposed to be uh, Texas Chainsaw. Originally, they were just going to take – it was just going to be a head, that, the, the, the present. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I, I guess the producers got wind of what that's what they were doing and thought that was too close to a death that happens in one of the other Chucky movies. I don't remember offhand what death it is. Um, so they thought, okay, well, what can we do instead? And, uh, the company that made this movie also released Texas Chainsaw. So they went, well, let's just do that. So they, almost, yeah. and it's one of the best bits. That is a great bit of. The Chucky watching the movie and then seeing Leatherface do that and then doing it to the the watermelon. <laughs> That's a good bit. I love the AI like learning, machine learning gone wrong aspect of it. It was funny, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely different than the original, but it's uh it makes it its own thing, you know. It expands into its own it makes it its own. It doesn't doesn't really rely on on the the premise of the original too much you know to make it its own uh thing uh it kills I, the cat too yeah murders the cat <laughs> <laughs> um i wanted to ask you guys what you thought so it, uh, of the scares in the movie so i i have a friend of mine we we actually do a movie podcast each week too and okay, I, well, how I, dare I, you I wanted... get off how dare you <laughs> oh it's only like like a few months in it's nowhere near as great as your guys is of course um we will crush you. <laughs> um, Very but, uh, competitive and dirt. Well that's, yeah. well, that's great. That's great. You know, got to have some competitiveness. Um, <laughs> but he he hates horror films, and he's a friend of mine from growing up. And I've always was dragging him to see horror movies and stuff. And so I I texted him and I said, well, "You got to go see Child's Play with me because you know we want to talk, be able to talk about it and stuff." And I knew I was going to do the show with you guys, so I said, oh, "I have to go see it. I want to see it. Let's go." So it took a lot of convincing to actually get him to get into the theater, and he actually. I didn't think it was particularly scary, but I'm a huge horror fan and not much does scare me anymore with these movies. But with him, I'm always eager to see what he thinks as kind of someone who is doesn't like horror films and how it works. He only, I think he said, jumped a couple times. Um, so I was curious to see what you guys thought about if you thought it was scary or what you thought of like the horror aspect. No, I didn't really think it was scary. Like from a jump scare perspective, I thought it was gross. Like the skinning mm-hmm. the face and putting it on the, you know, killing the cat. There's certain like gore elements that are, if you're scared by gore, and that yeah, would it, was, you. It, was, um, it was much gorier than I thought it was going to be. It definitely wasn't as jump scary as I thought. It wasn't as possessed as child's play. The original is, um, 
So if you're looking for that uh, kind of dark horror, it's not dark. Uh, it's more lighthearted, uh, campy horror, certainly in the first one. Um, but you know, I think they, I think this, uh, what's the corporation called in the movie? I wrote it down. Caslin. Oh, Caslin. Yeah. Caslin. I think they could do something cool with this Caslin company and making it like the company that's trying to take over the world. And they can make multiple movies off this. I think it's a premise oh, that yeah. can last. I think there's a, well, there's a big push for that probably. I'm sure. I think they kind of hint uh, towards the climax at the uh, supermarket or the store or whatever, at what they could kind of do with a sequel, you know, with, with kind of what Chucky does to the certain things in that store, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Richard, what do you think about uh, the whole premise and the machine learning, the whole kind of bit with Chucky this time around? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's certainly different, but I mean, did it really yeah. work for you? Yeah, to answer your question first, the scares are for me. I thought it was a pretty scary movie. Nothing, but then these always aren't on the super mm-hmm. high end of scary to me. They're kind of just slashery. Um, but the uh, but in terms of, I like really. I mean, independent of like the Chucky continuity throughout, this is definitely a, a reimagining of it. But I really liked it. I thought the logic made sense. I thought it was interesting, uh, satirically, like, you know, what our culture is going through. Like you said, Brent, Black Mirror kind of vibe to it on that front. Worked for me. I thought it was smarter than it needed to be and better than it needed to be and, and well-made. So I, I, it really worked for me. Yeah. What, what do we think about Aubrey Plaza in, in this movie uh, as as the mom? And, um, you know, I don't think this yeah. this role certainly was not written for her or anything like that. Yeah. But, uh, she, you know, I was pleasantly surprised by her. I was, I, I, so was I, I'm not really like looking forward to her in a movie, but I think she certainly, uh, you know, not in a leading lady type of way, but, um, I think she certainly has her charm and, uh, it's, she's getting way more, I'm, I'm growing way more fond of her over time, yeah. which I would, if you'd think I'd get annoyed, her. I'd be annoyed by her over time, you know, like, I don't like that she's playing like moms in movies because that makes me feel old. Because I always think of her right. as this cool, really young actress. Yeah, that was but of really course, weird. Uh, but but of course, I mean that's good that she's still getting everything. So yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by her too. I thought it really worked, and this is a cool use for her—a little outside the box, but still within her skill set. And uh, I enjoyed it a great deal. That, that was kind of my thought too. I, I'm not the biggest Aubrey Plaza fan. I, I she was probably my least favorite character on Parks and Rec. Um, not the, her acting ability, of course, but so I, I definitely was curious to see how she was going to do in this role. Same with, like you said, to see her do something different where she's playing a mother. Um, and I like, they even do make the reference where she said she was what 17 when she had Andy or something along those lines. Um, but yeah. no, I, I thought, I thought she did a good job. I thought she definitely did a good job when kind of the crazy stuff starts happening at the end and, and whatnot. I, I was curious to see how she would handle that, like kind of the, the horror aspect once, once Andy's mom kind of gets kind of let in on what's going on. Um, and I thought she did a really good job. Yeah. Um, we never really talked about last week uh, about the fact that the original Toy Story Andy is probably a reference <laughs> to Child's Play, right? It has to be. Andy uh-huh. being the owner of yeah, Woody and Buzz, um, mm-hmm. Andy. I, I actually, Andy well. when I 
Yeah, I actually, when I went to the movie theater uh, that, that Thursday night that's come out to see it, I walked up to the counter and I said, yeah, can I get a ticket to the movie about the toys that are alive? That That's featuring <laughs> yeah. Andy? That one? Feature, like, which exactly. one featuring Andy? Yeah. yeah. No, there's yeah, three now uh, with Annabelle, too. Uh, Annabelle. Oh, that's right. So the top three movies, the box office are all about toys coming to life <laughs> in some kind of awesome. creepy way. Um, that's funny. Okay. So a few more things I want to hit, uh, kind of wrap this thing up and hit grades is, uh, the climax scene, the, we've got to defeat Chucky scene happens in a department store. I liked that sequence set up for it. Chainsaw, all that, you know, kind of thing at the end was really fun. And I love bringing back the line, this is the end, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the iconic child's play line uh, at the end was was effective. And the song was really creepy. You're my buddy, you're mm-hmm. my friend. I played it and I'll keep playing it because it's, uh, it, they did a really good job, I felt like, with with the production design, with, um, I don't yeah, know if he was animatronic or what. cost $10 because yeah. I thought the design was really cool. They and, just, and there were some... Really good shots in this. Yeah, yeah. Lars Kledberg. Yeah. These Euros are coming in and really shooting, you know, our, like you saw it with it. <laughs> yeah. And they're making our, these American uh, pop culture pieces really interesting looking. I know you, you brought up the Buddy song. I, I thought overall the score was, the whole score was really good. Yeah, I did. Um, I, thought it was, I thought it was really well done. Um, yeah. That makes a difference in horror for sure. Halloween yes. is... Absolutely. It was. I was couldn't stop talking about that in our Halloween review this past year. So. Um, oh no! I, I, I wish great. I became a patron before that review. I'd have loved to have been on there. Halloween's my favorite horror series, and that oh, was great. Oh yeah. You liked the last one? I did. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Good. Are you excited about it? Chapter two. And I guess it's in September now. Yeah. No, um, I'm really excited for that one. Man, that one. That one gets really good reactions in the in the theaters for the trailers. Mm-hmm. Like people, oh, yeah. love that people love that trailer for some reason. I don't know if they don't see it coming, you know, because that little twist. Yeah. Um, but I just everything Pennywise just does something to an audience just, that you can't really describe. I just think that trailer is so jarring when you have the old woman dancing across the kitchen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just I think that gets such a good reaction out of an audience. Yeah, it it's is just great. So weird. Looking forward to that. Definitely looking forward mm-hmm. to that. Well, I'm looking forward to another Child's Play. I hope they make another one of these. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to go back and rewatch like the. I don't think I've seen any of them since Seed. So Seed, Seed was the last one I saw. I, I, so I haven't seen the two new ones. Uh, They're Cult good. of Chucky or uh, or what's the other one? Uh, Corner of Chucky. I don't know. Curse and Cult. Curse. Yeah. Okay. Uh yeah, I, I'm gonna have to go back and and rewatch those for sure. These are fun, have on the background on a Thursday night kind of movie. Uh, good stuff, fun. Odd to release this in the summer, <laughs> though. A bit odd. Yeah, maybe I know. I understand the counter programming of Toy Story and the whole marketing campaign and stuff it was funny. Which was great. It was really good, but I mean, this I feel like it should have been. In, in the fall. I feel like most horror movies should be in the fall, but that's not the way the way it works these days, fellas. All right, let's hit that weekly recommend. Uh, oh, after we it grade out? it. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. grade it. Um, <laughs> let me give this one a... I'm going to give it a B plus. B plus for Child's Play. Reboot. All right. 
I'll go, and then we'll let our guests give the the review people care about. I'm going to go solid A. I really like this. I like this a lot more than than I thought. So I thought I would. I, I mean, I like Chucky, yeah. but I kind of expected to be like, yeah, it was good as a B, but I'm going to give it a solid A. I liked it. Whoop. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of right between you guys. I'm going to go with uh, with an A minus. Um, I same deal. I, I was really surprised by it. I, I couldn't believe how much fun I had with it. Where I. When getting out of the theater, I, I could have went back in and just watched it again because I just had so much fun with it. So, yeah, I was very surprised and happy that I enjoyed it as much as I did. So, yeah, I give it an A-. minus. Maybe we can uh, – maybe this will be out in time for us to watch it again around uh, around Halloween. So maybe that was our plan yeah. all along. Okay, <laughs> now let's hit that weekly recommend. Boom. Weekly recommends. Richard, what's your recommend? Well, my recommend's a new album, uh, Anima, by uh, Tom York. We talked about Cat and I's love of uh, Radiohead in here in the past. I think it's the best um, Tom York uh, uh, solo piece. It feels really alone and perfect, and it's it's one of the best albums I've heard in a long time. So I thought it's really creepy and uh, dystopic and all the things and, and the production's just perfect and uh, time works great. I haven't seen the film yet, the PTA movie yet that comes with it, but uh, I'm excited to see that as well. Tommy York, a big fan of Animas too. <laughs> Anima. It's with an A. Anim- Anima. I'm sorry. <laughs> he gets one once a month. But I'm a huge fan of Animas. That cannot be taken back. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's good. Yep. Well, yeah. Yeah, Katie Kirk. Um. <laughs> All right, I'm going to recommend a movie from 2004. Actually, it's one that I think we should probably talk about on the show for 15 years. It's Garden State from Zach Braff. Richard, I'm sure you are familiar with this one. Uh, yeah, I don't like it as much as some, but I like it. It's good. Yeah, certainly a lot of memories with this one back when I was in high school. Uh, soundtrack is played often um and it's one that uh was fun to rewatch. you know um probably hadn't seen it in seven or eight years um but i gotta tell you back in the day i probably would have bet the farm on zach braff the jason tatum of <laughs> of filmmaking yeah it's weird it's weird he never really he he wrote and directed another movie right uh yeah it's called wish we were here or something yeah it's weird he just didn't keep doing it and then he made some sweet Gavin DeGraw videos. I remember that. What you got to do. Uh, and I, I just want to throw in, he, he also directed, um, I don't know if you remember that, that Old People Heist movie with Michael Caine and uh, I think it was Alan Arkin from a few years ago. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Going out, going in style. I did not realize he directed yeah, that. I believe that was him. Yeah, going You're in right, style. You're right, it I is. Remember, I remember seeing it and the end credits started and went, oh, that, that's a shame. Oh, man. That's weird. Hey, that thing made $84 million, though. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, Nick, what's your recommend? Uh, this, I have not this week, as if I'm on every week. Uh, no, I have uh, a book recommend recommendation for you guys, if, if you're interested. It's a well, book about, it, it's called Wild and Crazy Guy. Oh, yeah. I yeah, I, I don't know. If I had an old professor of mine email me and, and uh, recommend that I I uh, read this. So it's on my list. Yeah, it, it's a really fast read. Um, I blew through it probably in about a week or so. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just a really fun look at the eighties comedy icons, you know, Steve Martin, Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy, Bill Murray, 
and just kind of the highs and lows. It, it really does a good job of, of not holding back on a lot of the lows in their careers, especially when they get to Chevy Chase. Um, but it's it's just a fun look at at a good decade of comedy. So yeah, I, I recommend Wild and Crazy Guys. Excellent, excellent recommend, Nick. And uh, thanks for being on the show. Um, I understand that you do have a podcast. We'll plug that here in a second. But um, if we wanted to follow you online, maybe on Twitter, where could we do that? Maybe AOL? You got that? Yeah. I, um, my, I have a Twitter. Just It's the great hair. Um, I don't know. A little conceited, but I... Yes. Yeah. H, no, H, it's H-A-R-E. I was, I was blessed with, you a, here. with a fun animal last name. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's my Twitter. And, I mean, I can throw out my Twitter page for my podcast, but I don't, I don't want to do that on here. No, so. by all men, get ranked, right? Yeah, get ranked. We've been doing right. it for, I think, like since February. But, honestly, it, there, was, there was a top 10 podcast we liked, and I, I, we really liked your guys' podcast. And I thought, well, let's, let's try and see if we can do it. So we're, we're trying to have – we're having we're – having, yeah, yeah. Each week we, we kind of pick a topic based on movies or whatever we whatever pop culture we feel like, and then each week we both create our top tens and we just kind of talk about them and argue and and whatnot. It's it's fun. Gets me something to do. <laughs> so you are yeah. on uh, all the iTunes and Spotify. Yeah. Yep. iTunes, Spotify, Google Music. Very nice. Yeah, it's fun. Well, Richard Barton, where can we find you? You can find me on all the social media at Richard Barden on the Mad About Movies podcast newsletter, which we just sent out. We'll do another one here in a few weeks. So uh, head over to madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash newsletter uh, to sign up. And that's kind of a fun sign up if you've never done it. There's some Easter eggy stuff in there. We don't promote that enough uh, that I put together a few years ago. Yeah, about every six weeks. Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But that, that, yeah. Yeah, sign up for that. And if you're a listener and you would like to uh, contribute to that, if you have like a blog post that you'd like to get to a wider audience, we have a couple hundred, maybe thousand subscribers on that list. If you want to put it together, if it's something movie related, we're happy to put it on there. We like just kind of every few weeks blasting everybody out with some good reads, uh, kind of inspire the community and all that. Kent, where can I find you online? You can find me online at kentgarrison.com, Kent Garrison on Twitter. Follow us at Matt about movies on twitter as well and if you like what you hear hit subscribe on itunes spotify leave us five stars on there it helps grow the show um if you like what you hear and you want to chime in on the show with your voice you can do that at 214-308-1308 all you got to do is leave a voicemail on there and who knows we could play it back in a special segment on mad about movies uh next week we are discussing i believe spider-man far from home which is certainly uh, gonna fail, I'm sure. So that'll be fun. But uh, until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I've got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And again, scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya, your salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.